Hi, I'm Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. What is it that's weighing on your heart in these tumultuous times? What is it that you're worried about, that you're anxious about in all this uncertainty? Jesus wants to meet you in the midst of this, and he's inviting you to rely more on him than on yourself. You know, many of us have seen the world turned upside down, it seems, in the last week or two. Um, Some of us may be in dioceses where they've canceled masses. All of us have seen universities closing, schools closing, some businesses starting to close. Many people are worried about their jobs. They're worried about their health. Am I going to get this thing? They're worried about their baby's health. They're worried about their elderly parents. Some people are just wondering, will there be enough toilet paper? You know, Also, a lot of us may have had some disappointments. We've had to make some changes. You know, maybe there's something we were really looking forward to, like our our kids' sports season or uh, a certain vacation or a certain business trip, a certain conference, and all these things have had to to change. I want to share with you one disappointment I had this past Sunday. I woke up and there was a certain Bible verse deep on my heart. It was from Song of Songs, chapter three, verse two. I will search for my beloved. I searched for him but did not find him. I woke up on Sunday morning with this longing for my beloved Jesus, this longing to receive him in the Eucharist, this longing to go to mass, but I couldn't because here in Denver, all the masses have been canceled due to the coronavirus outbreak. What is it that you're disappointed by? What is it that you're worried about in in these uncertain times, Jesus wants to meet you in these uncertainties. He wants to meet you in these disappointments. He wants to meet you in these fears. And he wants you to rely more on him and not yourself in these times. How does a Christian disciple respond in these times of uncertainty? That's what we're going to talk about in this week's show. Welcome to the All Things Catholic Podcast. I'm your host, Edward Sree. And I want to give a special welcome to any of the new listeners. This is your first time joining us. Thanks for being with us here. You know, last Friday, I did a special edition of the podcast. My podcast always comes out on Tuesdays, but last Friday during President Trump's announcement on national television that he was declaring the United States in a national state of emergency, I knew that many people were, many dioceses were going to start canceling masses. And so we we put this podcast together very quickly to help people to know what to do when you can't go to mass. So if you're in one of those situations or you have a loved one that's in that situation or next week things change and you find yourself in this situation, check out that podcast from last Friday because uh, we'll offer some practical tools on how to keep the Sabbath holy still for you and your children, how you can still encounter God and grow spiritually even if you can't get to mass or adoration and receive Jesus in the Eucharist. There's still some great things that you can do uh, in these times. But today... I really want to focus more broadly. I want to focus on the challenges we all face, the trials, the uncertainty, the fears. How do we encounter Jesus in that? What's Jesus asking of us in those moments? What do we do when we face those fears? That's what I want to look at. And I have a very special guest to join us uh, today on the show. She's been on the show before, so many of you have heard her before. It's my wonderful wife, Beth. 
uh, we've been talking about some of the questions that uh, the listeners have been sending me over the last few days. And I want to thank you, all of you who took time to reach out to me to share with me what's been weighing on your heart and your your concerns. And so Beth and I have been talking about that, and I thought it would be great to have her come on and we can we can talk about these challenges and how to respond through the common questions that are out there. And one of the first questions I want to take a look at is from someone named Jared. And what Jared expressed to me is what I'm hearing from so many people, listeners, people I've met people I've been talking to, it's it's fears about the future financially. Uh, Jared shared about how he just had his best year at his company, his best year financially. He was able to give more generously this year than ever before, and he was living pretty comfortably, but now all is uncertain because he's wondering, will his comp- company take a hit? Will it survive this this crisis time? And he, he does say at the end, though, I know God will provide. He will never abandon us. So, Jared, thanks for sharing that. And and I'll say I've heard that from so many people, uh, these kinds of concerns financially uh, and what this means and uncertainty about future jobs. Uh, and I really appreciate what you said at the very end there, that yes, God will provide and our Lord will never abandon us. And it's important to keep that in mind and not, not to, there is going to be natural concern. We have to be prudent. Uh, but what do we do in these times? What would you say, honey? Well, I go back to what he said earlier, just the fact that they were blessed like they've I'll just speak straight to Jared because he was kind enough to to contact you. Jared, you guys were blessed like never before in the last year. And in that time, you were faithful. You didn't just say, oh, okay, we've we've toiled, we've stressed, we've made it this far, and now we're finally, you know, where we've wanted to be financially and we're good. No, you took those blessings and you turned them around and you gave them back to our Lord. And it's not like he's going to forget you. I mean, he's not going to say, oh, okay, well, you know, okay, you did what you're supposed to do. So now you're just going to go off and have to struggle and figure it out on your own. I would say leading up to that, before you were blessed in the last year, all those skills, all those virtues, all those things that you and your wife and your family had to do in that time of struggle prepared you for this moment. And just as you didn't forget our Lord in the times of plenty, he's not going to forget you in these times of stress and challenge. I would even say further than that, this is our Lord's time to peel back any kind of self-reliance, any kind of times where we've thought we're in control. We got this. We made it finally, you know, and he wants to shine. Jesus really wants to step in and amaze you right now in a way where you know it's him. You can't you can't take any credit for it because the whole world right now is literally falling apart financially. Things are just coming undone right and left. And this is where it's not like our Lord said, oh, what's going to happen with the coronavirus? I don't know. <laughs> he's known about this. He's prepared people for this. And he's wanting to step into this. So the question, I guess, is what do you do in that? I mean, obviously there's stress and obviously, you know, our Lord is going to provide but in this moment, are we freaking out or are we going to just sit in that and be like, okay, Lord, don't know how this is happening. I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to pray every time I have a thought that stresses me out or anytime I have a stressful conversation with my wife, I'm just going to say Hail Mary and put it in your hands. Yeah, I think that's a key thing. So, uh, and and amen to what my wife just said, Jared, and, and all of you have been faithful and generous, you know, with the Lord. 
the Lord remembers that you've been faithful. You've been, you've made sacrificial gifts. It sounds like, you know, so that's a wonderful thing. Uh, he's going to, he's going to bless you. He's going to take care of you, of course. But what do we practically do when those fears come up, when we have to sit down and look at our bank accounts, when we have to plan, what are our upcoming expenses? How are we going to, how are we going to manage this? If this continues and gets worse? Full disclosure, Ted and I had a major sit down earlier today about these very <laughs> issues. So we are in it too with all y'all. Absolutely. Uh, but one thing that comes to mind, we began in prayer. We, we said a little prayer. Uh, we actually said a Hail Mary to, before we got into it. I, I think of what St. Paul says in his letter to Philippians. So here's a great verse that you can take to heart. Uh, so this is not just for you, Jared, but it's for the many listeners I know that are also wondering a, a little uncertainty about the future. St. Paul says in Philippians chapter four, verses five and following, have no anxiety about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, I think it's important that there's a big difference between genuine concern, being prudent, looking at, you know, the finances like God wants us to that. He doesn't want us to sit back and just, you know, not take responsibility, but he doesn't ever want us to have anxiety. In fact, I talked about that a few weeks ago in, in my podcast. So that's why St. Paul reiterates this point, have no anxiety. So whenever we sense like that extra burden, that extra stress that's there, that's a moment to bring the truth of God's providence in our lives. So whether it's saying a Hail Mary or whether it's saying, that line from the Divine Mercy Chaplet, Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. Or, uh, or, or pick your, your line from scripture. God wants to give you peace because you're bringing truth into your anxiety, the truth of God's love and his providential care for us that, you know what, even if the worst case scenario happens, even if we lose our job, even if we, we do come down with the coronavirus, God is in charge and he's going to bring some good out of it. It may not be what we were hoping for, or what we were expecting, and it might be really hard, but he still is is meeting us in those sufferings. He can help us carry those crosses if and when they come. And, and he can give us grace to bear some fruit in our life, to grow in greater trust, to grow in greater surrender, to grow in greater humility. These are all wonderful things that can happen in our soul. And that's, that's going to be a refrain. I think this verse here about anxiety, I think is going to be a refrain for how we all move forward spiritually as we continue watching the stock market. We watch the latest news, the latest press conference, the latest closure, all these things. Coronavirus map from John Hopkins. <laughs> that's right. That keeps getting redder and redder all yes, around the globe. I know. You know, so we, we want to really remember this. Let no, have no anxiety. Trust in the Lord Jesus. I trust in you. Whenever that, that you get those moments of anxiety. So we have another question here. This one is from someone named Samantha who has a two and a half month old who has some, some lung disease challenges and is concerned because the doctor said if, if the child gets coronavirus, it could, it could cause great complications. And so she's wondering what to do. She works on the weekend at a, at a nursing home is wondering, well, if, what if I bring the coronavirus home? And so a lot of real concerns. And again, I've, I, this isn't the only mom I've heard from. I've heard from other moms that are out there worried about newborns and other things. Uh, so what would, what advice would you give for Samantha and all the, all the moms with little children? Well, I think Samantha's in a unique situation here being that she has to work outside the home, but not just work outside the home, work at a nursing home. I'd imagine a nursing home is going to have pretty strident precautions. But I also wonder, Samantha, you mentioned you have a husband, you have family in town. If there's any way you could talk to your boss about stepping back temporarily, again, I don't know the details, but I would say initially pray 
And it sounds like you have been just pray and ask the Lord what he wants you to do. Again, he's in control. He's had a plan. He knew this was coming. He knows about your situation. He loves you madly and your family. Um, But I would also just say we as moms, we are the master taskmasters, the master puppeteers. And we are all about controlling, minimizing difficulties for our children. I know just very small in comparison, the night before kids have to go to school, I am up late making sure everyone has clothes out, everyone has lunches packed, everything is ready to make it simple for my children to roll out of bed and successfully get to school on time. Because otherwise, it's the end of the world in a sense. People just lose their minds if they can't find a sock or a shoe or a belt <laughs> or something like that. So on a 10 times, 100 times, 1,000 times scale is this coronavirus where we want to control and minimize and prevent as much as we possibly can. And that's where we can kind of start to lose our minds. Honestly, we can lose our minds if we let our minds go that way. And so I would just pray against anxiety. There is no anxiety that is from the Lord. There's the prayer in mass. Is it before, after the Our Father? where the priest actually says, protect us from all anxiety. He doesn't say undo. And if he says that, that's not correct. It's all anxiety. And so we need to really rebuke that and pray against it and move away from it anytime we're feeling it. Whatever method, you know, deep breathing, exercising, sunshine, reading, a bath, glass of wine, whatever you need to do to step away from the anxiety, embrace it and and go after that. And I like the practical advice too. Yeah, let's maybe talk to the superior and see if your boss would let you just pull back for a couple of weeks to see how things progress here. Uh, given the unique circumstance you have, maybe it's you're already in consultation with your doctor and asking, you know, what extra precautions could I take if I have to go to work on those days? And so, uh, but these are the kinds of things that many people are facing today. And so we will pray for you, Samantha, and all the moms that have expressed this kind of concern about little children in the, in the home being exposed, as well as people have also expressed their their concerns about their their elderly parents. Uh, and so we'll, we'll, we'll pray for that as well. There's a, another question that came in. This one is from a woman named Julia, who is discerning a religious vocation. And she's concerned that, well, you know, I'm not going to be able to go to daily mass and the 24-hour adoration chapel uh, maybe closed down. What am, what am, what am I going to do? I want to discern my religious vocation, but I'm not going to have access to the sacraments like I, like I, I normally have. What do I do in this time? Julia, you're doing awesome. You're discerning. You're following the Lord where he's leading you and you're totally open to whatever he's calling you to. As a mama, if you are called to that vocation, your time before the blessed sacrament is going to be limited. Just kind of a reality check here. I would even venture to guess that as a nun, your time before the Blessed Sacrament is going to be still be, it'll be there more consistently, but it'll kind of be limited. So there are ways to pray outside of the chapel and and God has prepared you for this. Like he's prepared all of us. I mean, it's it's killing me not to be able to go to mass. I mean, I've had holy envy today as I've received texts from people who are able to go to private masses or have mass in their home and all this stuff. And I'm, oh, you know, who knew we would be taking, you know, mass for granted. I mean, what kind of world are we living in? I still feel like I'm in the twilight zone. So I feel you, I feel you, I feel you. But I also think that, God is going to bless your time of prayer outside the chapel. 
And you just got to figure out what works for you. I mean, for me to get time, this is silly. I have to hide in my bedroom for my prayer time. We have a tall bed that overlooks the backyard. And I literally hide behind my bed and look out the window. And my kids know if they're running all over the house trying to find me, that they should probably go check that spot. Because if they can't find me anywhere else, then that's probably where I am. So Julia, just look for those spots where you can find peace, where you can, you know, be free of distractions and really enter into the prayer and really, you know, call on the Holy Spirit when you start because he will meet you there. I mean, he's, he's still looking for you. He, and he, when you can't come to him, he's still gonna, he's coming after you a hundred times more, truly all of us that are without the sacraments right now. So I would really just trust in that and know that and just continue with your discernment. We're praying for you. We're rooting for you and God's got a plan. Yeah, this may be part of the the ordeal of your discernment that God, you had a plan that you wanted to meet him in the Blessed Sacrament, and God may be saying, "Well, what what will you do when prayer is really dry and you you're in That's front of my true. Blessed Sacrament and you don't Dark feel night. my closeness?" Like that that happens to many great sisters, uh, and maybe He's giving you a, a sense of a darkness right now uh, that you're not able to draw close to the sacrament. But will you still pray? Will you still be faithful to Him each day? Will you still give Him your heart? You know, and in those difficult circumstances, still seek His will. So another question that's come up, and this is, I've, I've gotten this from a couple different people about the question about receiving on the hand, receiving Holy Communion on the hand. There, so in some of the dioceses where there still are masses going on, uh, the dioceses have, have, have issued various forms of, of restrictions. You know, some have said, we strongly encourage you to receive on the hand. Then there's others that have said, you know, I've heard about this, that there's some dioceses that have said, or at least some parishes that have said that you must receive on the hand. And there's some people that feel uncomfortable about that. Um, I've even heard of some people saying, I refuse to receive on the hand, so I'm not even going to go receive Holy Communion. <laughs> so there's different extremes out there. I will say personally, I've, I've always preferred to receive on the tongue. I, I, I personally find that more reverential. Uh, I think it is uh, objectively more reverential, but I, at the same time, you know, from St. John Paul II to Pope Benedict to our current Holy Father, this has been allowed by the church. And so for me to stand up in judgment and say that if anyone's receiving on the hand, they're doing something evil, that when the church is, is allowing it and great holy men and women that are much holier than I am have been okay with that, um, you know, St. John Paul II himself, I, you know, I, I'm going to trust St. John Paul II than myself. And if the church has permitted the reception on the hand, I shouldn't look down on others that do that. And Certainly, I, if there's extraordinary circumstances and your parish or your diocese is encouraging you to do it this way, then maybe, maybe it's okay. Now, I want to be clear here. I'm not trying to get into a canon law and the liturgical norms, but I, I would want to just invite people to, again, I hope people understand, I think there is a greater reverence in receiving on the tongue or when you're kneeling and receiving. I, I really think that that's, that that's there. At the same time, we follow what the church teaches. And I, I would invite you to consider, is it possibly spiritual pride that you may be struggling with? Is it possible? And I'm not saying this is for every case. I just, I think it's good to examine your own conscience if you're struggling with this and say, you know what, maybe the idea of just being humble and obedient and I'm going to go through this, uh, and this is what the church is asking, rather than to stand in judgment over St. John Paul II or, <laughs> or, or the church that allows this. Yeah, as a parent, the whole obedience piece is real. And when you think about what this crisis is doing, I mean, it's kind of getting the entire church back to the evangelical councils. Poverty, chastity, obedience. Poverty and obedience. We're being forced into it. 
And and I think the question is, what are you going to do? Just as Ted and I hope that our children obey us the first time when we ask and trust in our authority to look out for their good, we're, the church is asking us to trust them. Is it objectively, you know, the germs on touching the tongue, germs touching the hand? We don't know. There's lots of, you know, pros and cons on both sides. But I think it goes back to the issue of obedience. And what came to mind when we were discussing this earlier is Catechism 397, where the initial sin in the garden where was that man let his trust in his creator die in his heart. And every sin following the initial sin in the garden is basically based off that trust has died in his heart. That's the fruit of that sin. And so that's where just thinking about our bishops that are given the immense burden of caring for the souls in their diocese. I mean, they're going to be judged on what they've done and what they've not done. And that's not for us to judge them. That's God that's judging them. And so for us to just be like, you know what? You have the authority. You have the responsibility and I'm going to trust you because I want to trust God. And I know that this is God's way of caring for me. Is it hard? Absolutely. Is it easy? No way. Is it something that I wish I didn't have to do? I mean, the hand, I don't prefer it either. I felt totally awkward doing it this week, but I did it, you know, and we had to train our kids to do it. And they were all like, what? You know, it. but we all did it. And I, I just think that obedience, I think God's going to bless it. I think someone's saying I'm not going to receive, <laughs> you know, I, I'm just thinking oh, what, what Jesus, what Jesus and the angels may be thinking there. And I, and, it, and I want to be clear, I'm sure it's over a sincere desire to give Jesus the most reverence in the blessed sacrament, which we should. That's a noble, really good desire. But when the church itself, you know, uh, is, is calling on us in this extraordinary time to, to be open to doing it this other way. And the church has allowed it for the last couple of decades. Uh, I, I think in those times, maybe God's inviting us to to die to our, our, our preference, die to something that's the ideal. It is the ideal and it, and it's, it's, it is really good. Uh, but to, but to grow in that humility and obedience uh, might be the Lenten call here. Now, a couple other things here I want to just touch on the idea of spiritual communion. You know, we, so what, what happened at our home today, we, we found out, uh, on Saturday that our pastor was going to do a, a mass over Facebook live. And he's a wonderful pastor. He's a, he's a friend. I've known him for many years. He used to be a, a missionary in focus and he really loves his people really is a spiritual father. And he was just at our house a little over a week ago for dinner and knowing that he was going to do mass and he was still going to give a homily and he's caring for us and speaking to his people. We, we all gathered around our big computer screen and watched him on Facebook live and, uh, you know, we, we, but we got, you know, we had the kids get dressed up so they weren't just in their pajamas and we stood up when we were normally supposed to stand up and we knelt when you're supposed to kneel and all those things to kind of as much as we could participate in the, the liturgy from afar. Uh, and I found myself at, at two moments, you know, I think something very powerful. One was, you know, there's a whole theology of uniting yourself with the sacrifice of the mass. And that's one thing we should do, especially at those words of consecration. We give Jesus all of our works, all of our joys, all of our sufferings, our whole heart, our fears, everything. We unite it with his sacrifice on the cross, which is made present in the liturgy. Jesus is offering himself to the Father on Calvary, and that offering of himself is made present at the Mass. And so at every Mass, I've always just done that. But I found myself doing it even while I'm just watching it on a screen. 
but I knew it was happening right at that time. And it was at my parish and with my pastor. Mm-hmm. And even though it was from afar, I kind of, you know, everyone's talking about spiritual communion. And I'm going to talk about that next, but I almost thought like, I wonder if there's like a theology of like spiritual sacrifice, you know, that you spiritually unite your little sacrifices with the sacrifice of a particular mass. Now we should offer our sacrifices. I loved all that it was live. To yeah. me, I mean, some parishes are just posting the video, but to me, having it live was everything. I mean, there's even that part in his homily where it was, it's so weird talking to you all on a screen. Like he said, he was like, he was connecting with us and realized it was awkward. But he just, I mean, this is, I just love Father Brian for his realness and his humanness, but just the fact it was live. It was, it was in real time. Was we were awesome. united with him in real time with us. Yeah. And so if you're in one of those places and you're watching, whether it's your diocese or your local parish do mass, and you can do it at the exact same time, that's a great thing, you know, uh, and, and then offer a spiritual sacrifice, you know, your life in union with the sacrifice of Christ at the words of consecration. But then there's the whole theology of spiritual communion. This is a wonderful thing. Uh, you know, the uh, St. Thomas Aquinas talks about this, Teresa of Avila, St. Padre Pio, so many others. Uh, it, the idea is that you're cultivating a deeper desire in your heart to be united with Jesus in, in the Eucharist and communion. And so even if you receive communion, you know, uh, uh, well, one one big thing is if let's say there's a weekday, you like to go to weekday mass, but there's one weekday you couldn't go to communion, you could make a spiritual communion. Just say this prayer. I mentioned it last time, and I'll, I'll again we'll post it in the we'll put it in the show notes here. But it's a prayer saying, "I believe that you're present in the Blessed Sacrament, and even if I can't at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart." You know, it's a wonderful thing to do, and what that does is it changes your your heart is desiring Him, and you're expressing that desire. It's like that quote from Song of Songs I opened up with: "I search for my beloved. I'm looking for my beloved Jesus. I want to receive Him." We're expressing that desire. Listen to what Saint Teresa of Avila once said about spiritual communion. She said, "Quote: When you do not receive communion and you do not attend Mass, you can make a spiritual communion, which is a most beneficial practice." By it, the love of God will be greatly impressed upon you. But what the saints also talked about was this is just good, even if you did get to go receive communion, that this should be a pious practice of all Catholics every day of our life, throughout the year, not just when there's a coronavirus outbreak, that we should cultivate the habit of throughout our day, even if I get to go to Mass on a Monday, I can still make a spiritual communion in the morning when I wake up or when I'm driving home from work. When you're doing the dishes or folding the laundry. And just say, Jesus, I want to receive you. And, and you and, and there's there's different forms. You can go online and you know, but you can even just say it in your own heart, your own words, Jesus, I long to be united with you in the Eucharist. Just that that it's just like kind of like, you know, when you say to your beloved, I love you, you know, you just walk by while she's doing dishes. I love you. <laughs> you know, that's what you're doing with Jesus and you're expressing that. So I think the coronavirus thing and, and the, you know, this, this strange situation we're in that we can't go to mass, I think can bring some good things out because it's going to remind us of this beautiful practice that many Catholics don't know about spiritual communion. I think praying liturgy of the hours is another thing. Um, maybe with your, with your children and in the home, with your spouse, with your roommate, these are great things, things we can do and we can't go to mass, but we can still do the morning prayer, the evening prayer of the church, go online, look up liturgy of the hours, morning prayer, evening prayer, you'll find them there. Uh, if you use Magnificat, go check out Magnificat's website. They're offering for anyone that's in one of those areas where you can't get to mass, they're offering their little books for free and they have shortened condensed versions of morning and evening prayer. The, 
those are wonderful things that we should probably incorporate in our daily lives, even if there wasn't a coronavirus outbreak. So I, I'm hopeful that there's some some good here that, that can happen spiritually, even in this challenging time. One other thing I think worth getting into, how should we look at our neighbor in this time? I was told here in Denver, I mentioned this to you the, the, last night, that um, I, I heard from our friend Jess that there, there was somebody in the, the grocery aisle that found all this rice all over the grocery aisle floor. And why was it there? It was because the, a bag had been torn open as two men were fighting over the last bag of rice and the whole bag ripped open, all the rice falls on the ground and they start getting into a fist fight over it, you know, mm -hmm. which that, that's, that's not the Christian response, <laughs> you know, but I, I think what happens when you're driven by anxiety, you tend to focus on yourself. You tend to zoom in on, I'm number one. I got to take care of me. I got to take care of me, my family. We're not, we're not thinking outside of ourselves, you know? So I, I, I'm grateful to you, honey. I know you've done some wonderful things when you were over at Sam's club or somewhere recently you called our, we have an extra neighbor who's elderly and as a widow, she, uh, you know, we, we was living alone. And so Beth called her and said, do you need anything from the store? Um, she shared some toilet paper with <laughs> a young family that was doing a remodel and couldn't get any, didn't have any toilet paper left for their, like they, what they got five, six kids or five, something, yeah. you know, imagine that house without toilet paper, that's going to be really rough. So, you know, but to be thinking outside and not just Am I hoarding up everything for myself? Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously you have to be prudent, but I think this, this kind of beating a dead horse almost to just, I think everybody is saying this right now, call your, your elderly neighbors. But I will say, think out more than just, you know, the, the high risk population, Think about maybe single people who are displaced from their homes right now. Maybe those that are in grad school or young adults that, you know, are living alone. All those, maybe someone who's had surgery. Just ask the Holy Spirit to bring names to your mind of people that you need to check in on and just see, you know, because I think we all need to kind of pull together in this time and just check in and, and even just loneliness. I mean, that's real. We still have the telephone. We can call people. We can FaceTime. Just reach out wherever you're feeling led to reach out. Yeah. So I think that's one great cure for that anxiety is when you notice yourself being anxious, that's a sign you're probably closing in a little bit on yourself. Right. And one way to actively go against that is certainly pray as we've talked about that already. But the second thing to do is to, to overcome that anxiety, go think of somebody else, alleviate someone else's and suffering act. and act, act on, it. on it. Like just as soon as you catch, I'm worried about my finances. You know what? I'm going to go pick up and pick up the phone and call someone and see how they're doing. Like mm -hmm. it gets you out of yourself. And you're and, and again, Jesus is going to use all of this to conform you more to him, to make you love like him, trust like him, serve like him, surrender like he did to the father. All of all that's going on, he's going to use this for some good if we let them. And is it going to be the ideal, you know, like watching mass on TV is not as good as being at, at a real mass, you know, but. But it makes you appreciate real mass even more. Yeah. And, and you were sharing with me about St. John Bosco and other priests that in, in different times of different kind of plagues going around the world and how they would do masses. What, what was? So in the 1800s, there was a cholera epidemic. And I think it was John Bosco. It could have been someone else. I mean, who knows? There's been so many plagues in Europe throughout the ages. But the idea was, and even this is happening, well, is this happening in Italy? Not quite. But there were priests who would say mass in the street in times of plague. And so everyone would come to their window and, you know, participate in the mass as they were able to. And it would end with a litany and, you know, a procession of sorts. But 
our windows today are not windows overlooking the streets. They are our screens. Our screens are our windows. Today we had our computer set up into our home. Maybe it's our cell phone. Maybe it's FaceTiming a friend. You know, there are ways that there are still windows that we can use to communicate, whether it's spiritually with Jesus or even just communally with friends, neighbors, family, people that we are separated from physically. So opportunities to grow in love of neighbor, opportunities to grow in greater trust, opportunities to grow in humility, opportunities to realize we're not in control. Uh, these are all good things. This is, Ask yourself in these moments, whatever your stress is, that, Lord, what, what are you trying to teach me? What is it that you're inviting me to? What are you trying to show me? So, dear wife, thank you for, for being back on. You're welcome, dear husband. And thank you all for, for listening. And I hope this has been helpful and encouraging for you and your loved ones. And again, you can always reach out to me if you have any questions. I want to hear more of your concerns, your things you're thinking about in this time of the coronavirus. You can reach out to me at info.edwardsri at gmail.com. That's info.edwardsri at gmail.com. And you can always find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and on my website, edwardsri.com. And where can they find you? I'm at borntodothis.org or um, Mrs. Beth Sri at Instagram and Facebook. Okay. So borntodothis.com. That's her no, website. Dot org. Sorry. Borntodothis.org <laughs> and uh, Instagram and Facebook as well. Thanks for listening and God bless. Mm-hmm.